Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this radio broadcast is Shi'ar Jeshub. Coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, we will begin the next sermon in the New Testament section of the Heavenly Authority series taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. But before we go into the Sunday message, let me remind you about our church website for serious Bible study. The address is www.shiarjashub.org. Now, let's join Pastor Greg for this instructive lesson from God's Holy Word. Let's review what we read last time in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 3 and verse 18. Paul writes, But we all, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord, or from the Lord, the Spirit. And that summarizes that whole section before about this great glory of the new covenant that we can be the ones to behold the eternal glory of the new contract in Jesus Christ, that we can be the ones who, unlike Moses that veiled his face, can reflect out that glory as the Spirit of God comes inside of us and changes us into his image, into the same image from glory to glory. And therefore, chapter 4, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And Paul says they can go forward because they understand the great calling they're called to. Verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And we discussed that. That's what we ended off last time, I believe. Discussed how the disciples were so concerned for presenting the exact truth, the manifestation of the truth of God. And they were handling the truth, and they knew they had a tremendous responsibility. The glory, the eternal glory of this covenant, this new contract that saves all of mankind, that brings in the new heavens and the new earth, was such that they could go through great troubles, great struggles and trials, and not lose heart. And it was so important that they knew that they better handle it right, that they were handling the manifestation of truth. They would not, as others, walk in craftiness or deceitfulness, but rather they commended themselves. Their recommendation was every person's conscience hearing the truth being preached and knowing that as they preached it, they were doing it in the sight of Almighty God. With this in mind, this is the type of ministry we are supposed to have, Paul is saying. And that chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 2, would be an important scripture in any seminary or any place that 
those being trained for ministry work are learning the Word of God to read over and over again. Renounce the hidden things of shame, not walk in craftiness, not handling the Word of God deceitfully, not adulterating the Word of God, not distorting, we said last time, the Word of God, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And then verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Even when they speak boldly, as he says up above, a great boldness of speech in verse 12 of chapter 3, even when they present the full manifestation of the truth, there are those that are not going to get it. Remember we said the veil still remains on the heart. The veil still remains on the mind. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, to the unbeliever, to those who have hardened their hearts and will not hear the word of God and the veil remains. It's nonsense to them. That's why there are sometimes, if, you, if you're speaking to someone and they could be an unbeliever, but they're open and the Lord is working on them, and you almost can sense that they're very close. As you speak and as you witness, you can see them soaking up what you're saying. They may debate with you. They may not agree on everything you're saying, but they're open, and, and you know as you're speaking to them, gee, this sounds good, you know, but it's not really, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit working on that person. The veil is being removed. They're receiving. And there are other times you could come up with the best arguments. You can give the strongest testimony of what God has done for you. And as you're saying it, you can feel the person saying, this is just silly. This is just what are they, they're ridiculous, you know. And there's just no way to get through. And you're saying, gee, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Well, sometimes we don't present things the right way. Sometimes we don't pray the right way. And then sometimes it's just veiled to them because they're perishing. They don't want to hear, and they won't hear, and whatever you say to them is just nonsense. Maybe, you know, two or three years down the road, things are going to happen in their lives, and it's, we're not saying this is a permanent situation, but a person that's in the condition of perishing, unless they're pulled out of that, what you're talking about and the things you know, the things you've learned, your whole life experience in Christ, Things you take for granted, that second nature, how you pray, how you think, how you read, how you understand, to them, when you tell them about it, they don't see it, they don't understand it. What you're saying is just going right over their head because a lot of what's going on is happening in the heavenly realms and the spiritual realms. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Those who are perishing, he's speaking about, to whom the gospel is veiled. He says in verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age has blinded their minds. Now, who is the God of this age? 
That might be an expression that confuses many people. There's only one God, God Almighty. So what is Paul referring to when he says the God of this age? In John chapter 12, verse 31, the Lord Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. So Jesus speaking about the crucifixion. As he's lifted up, as he's lifted up on that cross, as he is ascended into heaven, as he's presented before men, he draws people to him. And as people are drawn to him, there is a taste of the judgment to come, the judgment seed. And even right now, the ruler of this world is being cast out as people are being saved. The God of this world, the ruler of this world, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Later on in chapter 14 and verse 30, he says, I will no longer, this is the night of the Last Supper, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. So this rule of the world, obviously, is not speaking about God. He has nothing in me. Then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says about their trespass and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And clearly this is all speaking about Satan. The God of this world, the ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, who has no part in the Son of God. And then 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, the evil one. And that's why when the evil one, Satan, the devil, tempts Jesus and shows him the kingdoms of the world, he took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus doesn't say they're not yours. He says, away, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Satan did have those kingdoms. He had control of those kingdoms. He is the ruler of the world. The whole world is in his sway. He is the God of this world. And mankind has made him such. Adam and Eve made him the ruler of the world. God gave them dominion of it. And when they were obedient to Satan... They made Satan their ruler. And since that time, over and over again, it's been replayed 
where men and women have handed over that which God has given them dominion of to Satan, so that Satan is, in fact, the one that controls the world in the sense of that he manipulates. It's a realm of darkness. It's a realm where he can sway nations. Now, the Bible's clear that God is ultimately in control. It is his world. It has been purchased back. Who can buy back the scroll? Who can take back the scroll? The Lamb of God who has purchased it with his blood. And that's why he says judgment now has come and the ruler of this world is cast out. Because on the cross, Jesus buys it back. He takes it back from him and no longer belongs to him because the Son of God has died and purchased it back. And one by one now, the enemies of Jesus are crushed, pressed down. The demons are crushed under his feet. But it's a battle. It's a battle to take back the ground, which, when you look at it, the majority of it, when you turn on the television, when you read the papers, when you listen to the radio, the bulk of it is still in the possession of the devil, but only for a very short time. Join Pastor Greg Scalzo on the web. On the Shi'ar Jeshub website, you will find information about Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, as well as an archive of our radio programs with in-depth Bible teaching. The address is www.shiarjeshub.org. And can I ask you to pray about supporting this ministry? It is so important for the time that we are in that there would be solid Bible teaching on the airwaves and available on the Internet. Our address is Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And may the Lord Jesus bless you as you serve Him.